That word more is an interesting word. I, I can remember when my, when my kids were little, it was one of the first words that they learned, right? Because they're sitting at the table, and whatever it is, you're shoveling in, they're digging it, right? And at some point, they want not just what they have, they're not satisfied, they say, I want more. And sometimes the word more comes out very nice, right? In fact, you even try to teach them more, please. And then sometimes it's just like this possessed scream, right? And it's this idea of, I want something more in my life. I'm not satisfied with what I have. There's something more that I need. You know, I've felt just kind of in my, in my heart, in my spirit, that that word, at the beginning of this year, just kind of jumped off the page of Scripture to me, that God has more for us. In fact, for, for me personally, I've almost felt like, and for our church, this is a year of more for us. The first Sunday of the year, we walked through a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. In fact, I'd encourage you to turn there this morning. Ephesians chapter 3. We started there this year, and we looked at a prayer, and we ended by talking about the fact that we can ask God for more. At our annual business meeting back in March. We looked at this scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 and we talked about how God has more for us as people, more for us as a church. And as I've been um, considering what to preach in these next few weeks, I came back to this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 and felt very strongly that we're to take a few weeks, next four weeks, and talk about this idea of more in our lives. It has been for our church already in some very unique ways a year of more from God. He, he has blessed us. Over the last couple of months, our, our average attendance has been about 300 people over where it was a year ago. Isn't that awesome? To see how God is reaching people. Yeah, give, give yourselves a hand. You're inviting your friends. You're, you're sharing what Christ is doing in your lives with those around you. And every week we are hearing stories of life change. We are watching people surrender their lives in, in following Jesus Christ. It's been an exciting time to see this. And what's cool about this is Jesus said that's what's supposed to happen. John chapter 10 verse 10 says the thief who we know is the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so there's this idea that we want, we want more in our lives. Not that in, in a greedy sense, not in a selfish sense, but I hope in a very spiritual sense to say, I'm not satisfied just with what I have. God, I want everything that you have for me. Jesus, if you promised and said I could live life to the full, what's that look like? How do I find that? So let's look at this scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul's praying a prayer here. He's been talking about how powerful God works in the church and the things that he has for the church. He's been talking about the believers' lives and how he prays that God's fullness would live in them. This is how he wraps up his prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably what? Immeasurably? Then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And when I looked at that passage of scripture, there, there were four, I don't know, thoughts or observations that came to me. And initially, in this morning's message, I was just going to drop all four on you. And then I realized it's Memorial Day weekend. Nobody wants all four in one day, right? And so we're going to do this over the course of the next four weeks what I want to do is show you an observation out of those two verses, something that's good for us to consider. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Then we're going to look at a story of Scripture that I hope will help us to understand it. And so each, each week, in the next four weeks, what I want to give to you is what, what, I'm, what I'm calling one more thing. Not like one more thing to add to you, but one thing about more that God wants to do in our lives. 
So each week we're going to look at one more thing and see what God has to say to us out of this passage of Scripture. For starters today, I want to focus on the idea that Paul says that God is able to do immeasurably more beyond what we could ask or imagine. He's able to do that. It's possible for him to do that in our lives. If God says he can do more, should we believe that he can? Which then leads us to the point to say, God, where is it in my life that I desire more? Where is it that if I really dig down deep, I'm not satisfied. See, I pray this and I believe this for our church, that God would allow us to see and experience more, that we would see more stories of life change, that we would sense his presence in our services and in our times out in the community, that we would see him and feel him and know him at work more and more. And some of you, this is what's going on in your own lives. You're saying, God, I need, I need more from you. Maybe it comes because you feel like your marriage has just become too cold. Maybe it's because you feel like you're in a dead-end job. Maybe you're unfulfilled in your life and you're looking for, God, how do you want to use me and my gifts? What's ahead for me? What decisions do I need to make? Maybe you've got questions with regards to as this school year comes to an end. Maybe it's the pressure that you feel. Maybe it's the uncertainty about the future. Maybe you're in some kind of family struggle. Maybe it's financial hardship that you're facing. Maybe there's a sickness. I don't know. Maybe it's some kind of despair that you're walking through. But there's some place where you say, I'm just not satisfied. I'm not so sure. In fact, when when I read that verse and it says that he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, you say, that's cool, but I'm stuck. I'm in this spot. And I wonder if there is any more for me. Maybe this is it in my life. Here's the one more thing I want to remind you of today. If you just grab one thought, if there's only one thing you walk out of here today, it's this one more thing, is that more is possible. God says he's able to do it. And for some of us, as soon as we talk about this idea of more, we start start filtering out why maybe it is for somebody else, but not in my life. In my life, I'm limited. In my life, I'm stuck. In my life, I'm not sure what to do. And this morning, if there's one more thing that you grasp, I hope it's this. It's that more is possible, and we see this in God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 6 with me? We're going to look at a really familiar story quickly today. We're going to talk about some observations that we can see here that will help us to see how more is possible in our life. And we're going to watch how as we come alongside of what Jesus is already doing and he works in our lives, this familiar story is going to remind us that more is possible. There's a possibility of more that can take place in those areas in our lives where we're looking for it. This is a really familiar scripture, a story that uh, if you went to Sunday school, if you've read through the Gospels, you, you may remember. It's the story of when Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. Do you remember that? Not too bad at 8.30. I guarantee you they're going to be hungry at 11.30, right? But here's the story, and we're going to read just a couple verses at a time, make some observations, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll see what God has to say for, to us from this passage. So John chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. Let me give you a little context. John doesn't say this, but Matthew does tell us this, that this story happens at a time when Jesus is trying to get away for a little while. He and the disciples have been hustling. They've been moving. They've been running. They've been healing. They've been teaching. They've been all over the place. And they said, let's, let's get away. Let's have a little private time. Let's slow down for a minute. And when they do, when they try to get apart by themselves so they can kind of disconnect and unplug just for a little while, the crowds 
chase Jesus down. They track him down and they find him. And this is where we're at in verse 5 of John chapter 6. It says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So here's Jesus. He's trying to just get away for a little while, and in the midst of it, the crowds track him down. Have you ever had an unwelcomed experience come your way? Something you weren't looking for? I remember not too long ago, my doorbell rang, and I went, and I opened the door, and there's this guy. And you all probably have one of these this guy's in your life, right? Where you get, you know him, but you don't really know him that well, but they think they know you really well. So much so that he rang the doorbell and said, hey, I was just driving by your house. I thought I'd stop by. Well, that's, that's awesome. Don't ever do that again, right? <laughs> don't ever do that. I mean, you just, you have those experiences where you didn't ask for this and it just kind of shows up. Now that's just kind of a, a funny one. But the late night phone calls usually aren't. Hey, there's been an accident. We need you to come. Hey, this just took place. Can you pray? You open the mail, and you didn't know that bill was coming. You didn't know that diagnosis was going to be knocking on your door. You didn't know that decision was going to be made. Life is full of unwanted, unwelcome experiences. And it's, it's just the truth. They come our way. They knock on our door. And this is exactly where Jesus and the disciples find themselves, isn't it? And it's a situation where what they really realize is what they don't have is more because what they've gotten is more of what they didn't want. They just wanted to unplug for a little while. But now there's all these people showing up. And as you'll see in the story in just a moment, all these people show up and Jesus says, you know, we probably should give them lunch. How are we going to do that? He says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So now they've got this issue. They've got more need than they have resource for. They've got more responsibility than they have ability for. They've got more questions than they've got answers. They've got more facts than probably what they have faith. And so now they're standing here going, this is an unwelcome experience. We did not see this coming. It wasn't anything that we asked for. And the truth is this. Some of you exactly know what that's like. Because when I said more need than resource, you said, my checkbook. When I said more responsibility than ability, you said, I feel that on my shoulders. When I said you have more questions than answers or more facts than you have the faith to wrestle with them. That just resonated in you, and you said, yeah, I'm, I'm living there right now. And these unwelcome experiences show up and knock on our door, and they come our way. And here's what's so interesting about it. Did you notice that when they showed up, Jesus didn't freak out? We know very clearly from the book of Matthew that he wasn't planning this open-air crusade. And yet it came, and when this unwelcome experience happened, he didn't freak out. Instead, he looks at it, and what does he say? He asked this question about the bread, and he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do when Jesus saw the unwelcome experience. He said, I'm going to make something out of this. I'm going to do something more than what they could expect. Here's the first thing I hope you'll see from this story today. Jesus wants to do something more. 
in your life, if you feel stuck, if you feel uncertain, if you feel lack, if you feel unsatisfied, this is the first place you got to start because your brain will play tricks on you until you grasp this. Recognize the very, very nature of God. It starts here. Jesus wants to do something more. You got to get past the idea that God doesn't want you to have more, to do more, to be more. He already said in John 10.10 that his desire is that you live life to the full. Not mediocre, not lame. He says, I want you to have life and life to the full. That's who he is. That's what he does. So for some of us, as soon as we talk about this topic, you've already tuned out. You're already thinking about, I wonder where he's going to go next week. Because you're not so sure God has more for your life. And I want to affirm you that Jesus wants to do something more in your life. Some of us would rather play it safe, though. I always chuckle at this this proverb. Proverb 22, verse 13. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. The point is this. That the person who's afraid to do something always finds an excuse not to do it, right? Right? Well, I'd go outside, but there's probably a lion out there. So maybe I'll just hang back. And we let our fears get the best of us and recognize this, that in a situation without resource, without ability, without answers, without faith, Jesus was there and he said, I am ready to do something more. And what you'll see here in just a moment is that God can do something incredible about this. You just got to put yourself in a place where you can experience it. Is anyone, I've heard this from several people recently. Is anybody excited that Cedar Point is now open again? Some of you, this might not be our Cedar Point service. I get it. Okay. All right. It's okay. I remember getting on. Anybody ever ridden the Magnum at Cedar Point? You ever ridden that? And I remember getting on that with one of my kids. And it was in the process of when we were trying to help them. Kind of, hey, you're going to enjoy this. So you don't just jump on like the most intense roller coaster. So we'd done a couple of them. The Magnum isn't like the most intense, but it'll, it'll make you cry. So we, we are, um, we're, going, we're going to get on there. And you, when you get on the car, you can't see the whole ride, right? And so I said to, to my child, they're like, is this, is this one pretty intense? Is it pretty? I said, ah, you know what? I think you're going to love it. That's all I said. I think you're going to love it. And then they strap them in, which is always a terrifying feeling, right? Thing comes down. You're strapped in. We took off, right? And get up that hill, which is not at all what they were expecting. Pale kid right next to me. Huge eyes. And with that look of, this is not what you told me, buddy. <laughs> it was not the ride that they expected. Upside down, through the tunnels, craziness. But I can tell you this. When the ride was done, that kid loved me more than they did before. (laughs) They wouldn't have chosen it. They didn't see it on the front end. But I wanted something more for them. Snoopy's little train ride was not what I paid all that money for at Cedar Point. (laughs) I wanted them to have something more. And see, God does that. Even in the places where we're quick to go, oh, there might be a lion out there might be a little scary and watch this story if you're not familiar with the story here's a little spoiler for you god makes miracles out of unwelcome experiences and unexpected opportunities five thousand men show up and jesus says maybe we'll have a brunch and matthew tells us and they brought the women and children with them too so easily this could be ten thousand people right any of you ever done a meal for ten thousand people we get stressed out over thanksgiving Jesus says, look, just watch this. 
I can take your unwelcome experience, I can take these unexpected opportunities, and I can make something more out of them. I'll do something miraculous if you'll trust in me. So here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to just think about this. What's your unwelcome situation? What is it that you're facing right now? Where is it that you're not satisfied? Where is it that you're, that you're wondering? And we've already listed certain things, but here's where I want you to be for the rest of this message. I, I, can't, I can't personally apply this to everybody's life, but the Holy Spirit can. And here's what I firmly believe. I firmly believe, especially based, and we'll talk about this in more in coming weeks, especially based on where God has us in the life of our church, that this series is for every single one of us. But I know that today this message is for some of us. Someone here needs to hear this. I just feel very strongly. And so if that is the case, what I want you to do right now is name your area where you need more. Do it in your head. Don't just think about lunch. Call that thing out. Where is it that you need more right now? Where is it that you say, God, in my family, in my finances, in my faith, God, in my hope, in my spiritual development, in my marriage, in my job, in my school, in my future, this is where I need more. And what I'm facing things that may be unwanted or unexpected, but you've already told me that you want to give me more. So name that so we can then go on in our story. Let's go back to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 7. Remember, Jesus said to Philip, hey man, where can we get, where can we get some bread? Philip answered him, verse 7, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? These two guys show us kind of this unique um, principle, this thing that we see happen in life. And it's, it's an analogy that we use all the time. So I have here a glass. I have here some water. I'm going to pour this water into this glass. And when I look at this glass now, how would you describe it? How many of you say it's half empty? How many of you say it's half full? Oh, you're, some of you are just lying. You're just like, I know the right answer. It's half full, but I'm still thirsty, right? That's... That's, that's the two different attitudes that we walk through in life, right? We look at a situation, and when we see it, we say to ourselves, is that half empty or is it half full? And you watch this in both of these guys' minds. You've got Philip and what really shows up to be a, a bit of a sense of pessimism, and then you've got Andrew and you've got his optimism. So let's talk about this for just a moment because what we have here are two very different ways to view the world. Is the glass half empty or is it half full? Here's Philip's pessimism. Philip's pessimism looks at the facts without the factor of faith. Looks at the facts, but takes out that factor of faith. Just says, I, you know, Jesus, I, I, I dig your question, but where are we going to uh, get the cash to buy this? Even if we had eight months, eight months wages, all, we, all we'd be able to give people is a bite. And so, I don't know. I don't see how it can happen. There's probably a lion outside, so let's just stay right here. And I'll just be real honest. For many of us, including me, that's often our default mode. We go right to that. We go right to this point where we go, I, that's, it's, I don't think it's enough. I don't know that that's going to work. Andrew, however, had an interesting optimism. Where Philip had a pessimism, here's Andrew's optimism. It offers what is available with faith. 
Andrew's optimism says, I'm going to offer what is available with faith. Hey, Jesus, there's a lot of people here. The only thing I could find was this kid. His mom packed him a brown bag. He's got these five loaves and these two fish. It's, it's something. I don't, I don't know what that would do among so many, but it might cover the really grumpy people. So maybe you could use it. And there's this optimism that comes with faith. Now, he was fully planted in reality, wasn't he? Because he said, hey, here's this. I, I don't know what that's going to do. I just know that if I give it to you, then maybe you can do something with it. It's a different way to see the world. So here's the second observation I hope you'll see about more being possible today. And it's this. Number two, more begins with what we have. More in our lives begins with what we have, not with what we don't have. See, too often we say, I just, this is what we, I don't, we don't have it. And this story illustrates that when Jesus does something in our lives, when he works in our lives to do more, it begins with what we have. It begins with what he's given to us. Every time that God has been able, um, I, I see it in the lives of churches. I see it in the lives of people. I see it in the lives of, of business owners. I see it in my own life. Every time that God is able to do something significant, he does it when we just say, God, it's not much, but it's yours. Can you do something with it? Can, can, you, can you use this thing? Can you make this work for you and for your glory? So many times our default mode is just to say, this is what we do not have. What if we found a new question to ask? Then when something unexpected or unwelcome or someplace where our lack is somehow amplified, what if when those showed up, we changed the question and just said this, God, what can you do with this situation? Here it is, God. We got 5,000 people and they brought their families. What can you do with this situation? God, this is what I'm missing. God, this is what I'm lacking. God, this is where I'm fearful. God, this is where I'm uncertain. God, this is where it doesn't seem to make sense. But God, what can you do with this situation? Not what can I do. God, not how can I fix it? Not God, how are we all gonna get out of this alive? But God, what can you do with this situation? And then entrust that to him. Make that your default question. Because here's the reality. In order to experience more, you have to start with something. You have to start with something and say, God, here it is. Maybe a little boy's lunch and it doesn't look like much, but God, I will entrust it to you. In order to experience more, you have to start with something. And you got to understand, not only was this just a small amount of food, but most likely this was from a pretty poor kid. He had barley loaves. Barley was cheaper, and, and it was more the, 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 the flour of the poorer class. There was a different kind of wheat, a higher quality wheat that you would have used if you were more middle class or upper class. But because he had the barley loaves, that tells us something more about it. It tells us that he was, he was probably, either his mom was like really frugal, and she probably bought the generic barley, but actually, it was, he was poor. We had these five barley loaves and these two fish. They were probably dried up small fish, maybe that were pickled. And that just sounds nasty to me, doesn't it? But that's probably what it was. And it came from a kid, a youth's lunch. It's interesting that John sees fit to tell us that. It's really not an important detail, except it just highlights all the more that what we were starting with here was something really small. Five loaves, cheap loaves, two nasty pickled fish from a kid. 
What are you going to do with that, Jesus? How are you going to make that work? Anytime that he does more, you have to start with something. You look at your life and you say, I'm too small to make a difference. My words don't carry any impact. I don't preach sermons. I don't run companies. I don't rule the world. I'm just little old me. What difference can I make? Here's an old African proverb. If you think you are too small to make a difference, try spending the night in a closed room with a mosquito. What does not seem like much to you is just enough for Jesus to do something more. When you look at your life, when you look at your history, when you look at your future, and you're quick to go, hmm, I don't have much. What doesn't seem like much to you is just enough for Jesus to do something more. I, I love our story as a church. 1951, five families who said there's not enough churches in Toledo. There's too many people who don't know Jesus. And they started a little church, five families, on the east side in an upstairs uh, room of a rented storefront. What are we looking at? Almost 64 years later. And God has done amazing things. What scriptures say? Despise not the day of small beginnings. And yet, can I tell you this? That's, in many of your heads, the devil's number one trick. You don't have, you don't have much. Or even worse, what he loves to say is, uh, but you're not as good as. You can't be as effective as. You don't have the skills of. You don't look like, sound like, work like connect like, have the ability of. He drops those things in our heads. What happens is we begin not just to doubt ourselves, but we begin to doubt that God can do more. And so then we take ourselves out of the game before God even has a chance to do the more in us that he would like to do. You have to start with something. And what you have, no matter how small you might think it is, is just enough for Jesus to take and do more with. So watch what happens. John chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. He takes it. Scripture says he blesses it. He breaks it, and he begins to distribute it. He begins to distribute it. He hands it out. He hands it out. Wouldn't you love to see what that looked like? I mean, I've tried to picture it in my head. Did he just keep reaching in the brown bag, and there's another cracker? He reaches in the brown bag, and there's another loaf. Or was it just this loaf that just never ended? Or did he just kind of pray, and all of a sudden there was like Panera bread? I don't know what happened. I just know that he did something miraculous and not to the point where they ran out. How does it say, I love this, um, as much as they wanted. Don't you love to eat to the time when you're, you go, that's as much as I wanted. That's it, I'm done. I don't want any more. Oh, did you say ice cream? Right, I mean, that's the, that's the thought. No, I'll have some ice cream, yeah, that's cool. 
But they got to this point. Why? Because Jesus knows no lack. He knows no limit. And here's what happens. Third observation I hope you'll make today. Jesus takes our little and he makes it more. You have to start with something. And when you give him that little something, he takes our little and he makes it more. He makes something wonderful out of it. What we put in Jesus' hands becomes more than we can ask or imagine. Isn't that what Paul said would happen? What we put in Jesus' hands becomes more than we can ask or imagine. I mean, it's one thing to have this crazy idea. It's another thing to have God work a miracle where he feeds them. It's another thing to have him do a miracle where he not only feeds them, but they're satisfied. But watch what happens next. Look at verse 12. John chapter 6, verse 12. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. They went home with doggy bags. Did you see that? 12 baskets left over. Now, I don't know if this is biblically correct. I don't know if this is good theology. How many disciples were there? How many disciples were there? Twelve. How many baskets were left over? One for each of them. To say, look, boys, here's a little souvenir. Do you see what I did here? One of the things we miss about this story is we get caught up in the miracle. We get caught up in the coolness of it. We get caught up because we all like to eat. (laughs) This story is not about the food. This story is not about the people who were fed. See, the story, I mean, Jesus could have just said, hey, folks, sorry, I'm going to teach for about 20 minutes, and then you guys need to go into town and get lunch. You've been all right with that. That had been practical. The beauty of this story is not what happened with the food. The beauty of this story is not what happened with the people. The beauty of this story is what God was doing in the lives of the disciples. He was saying to them, look, if you will take just a little and you entrust it to me, then I will do more with it than you can ask or imagine. So much more that when I'm done, you're going to have stuff left over. You're going to be blessed. And each of you boys gets to take a basket home as a reminder. It's like they were on Oprah, right? You get to take something home. This is awesome. This is for you. Don't forget what I did here. When you entrust what you have to Jesus, when you put it in his hands, he does amazing things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. See, our needs are more than met when we entrust what we have to Jesus. Our needs, the things that we desire in life, the places where we don't feel satisfied. Our needs are more than met when we entrust what we have to Jesus. And this is a powerful truth. It's something we do not want to forget. It's something we need to hang on to and remember. Watch this real quick. Now, we'll, we'll hone in on this here in just a couple of weeks. Two last thoughts. One is this, that when God does more through you, others will be blessed. God used the disciples and the little that they had, and he fed 10,000 people, right, with the women and children, and then there were leftovers. See, you say, I want to be a blessing. I want to be used of God. I want to touch other people. I want my life to count for something. I want my life to have a legacy. I want it to matter. Then you allow God to do more through you, and then others will be blessed in the process. It's a powerful thing. How does he do it? How does he make this thing happen? 
It's because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's why we celebrated communion today. That's why Memorial Day weekend is such a fitting time for us to remember. I had the privilege to be at the um, uh, Memorial Day remembrance uh, celebration, not a celebration, but service that was in downtown Toledo yesterday. And, and it's, it's sobering. And you're reminded of what it cost for us to have a country. And if you've ever traveled internationally, you know this. We have a country that has more. We have been very blessed. But that blessing isn't cheap, and it certainly wasn't free. And it's because people were willing to give their lives for the freedom that you and I live in every day. But that's just a a glimpse of what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. He gave his life so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. He gave his life so that we wouldn't live life that's mediocre. He gave his life so that we could live life to the full and so that you and I could know more. But I'll tell you this right now. For some of you, and and I don't don't want you to get this as we walk through this. Sometimes you'll hear things about like a prosperity gospel or about how God owes us something or about how we deserve something from him or if you just pray the right way or if you say the right things, all this kind of thing. Look, none of this happens unless you're close to him. None of this happens unless you know him. None of this would have happened unless Philip and Andrew could have heard Jesus' voice. He works in the life of his followers and of his disciples to do something special and to do something more. But you have to be close to Jesus for him to be able to entrust you with something more. So as we go through this series... As we walk through these next couple of weeks, and and next week we're going to talk about how God empowers that in our lives. We're going to talk about what our responsibility is in the next couple of weeks. How do we we live out this more that he has for us? We're going to look back at Ephesians 3.20 and see what that says to us. And I'm I'm confident that God's going to use this, this series of messages for our church and for our lives. But here's where I want you to start. Please don't start with your own desires. Please realize that outside of a relationship with Jesus, more is meaningless, right? And it begins with knowing him. You have to be close to Jesus for him to be able to entrust you with something more. So would you stand with me all throughout the the sanctuary this morning in our other venues? And I'm going to ask Beverly to sing the the bridge to that song that that the worship team sang just before um, we started the message. Where it says, "My, my soul desire, my only focus is to worship you. I want to be close to you. And I'm going to encourage you, if you're comfortable, to lift your hands and just begin to say, God, I want more in my life from you. But I know it's got to begin with you. God, it's got to start with you. Would you sing these lines and let God speak to your heart? Let's make him our soul focus today. My soul devotion. My soul devotion. My only focus to worship you. My life. 
I believe that this series is going to speak to all of us, but I'm confident that this message was specifically for some of us. So the worship team is going to continue to sing those lines. And here's what I'm going to ask. If you're here today and God's speaking to your heart and something we talked about today, the fact that God wants more in our lives, the fact that he can take what you have and start there, the fact that when you entrust it to him, he can make something more out of it. If those things spoke to your heart in a very specific way, that when you named that thing, you said, God, you know what this is here in front of me. Now I offer it to you because I need you to take it and do something more with it. If God is specifically, if the Holy Spirit's stirring something in your heart, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and come here and stand at the altar. And we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. And I believe this, sometimes a spiritual reality in our lives takes a physical response from us. We have to put ourselves in a place physically where we say, God, I'm open to this. God, I step out in faith. And so if that's you, if you say today, God, in this area of my life, I need more from you as the worship team begins to sing this song again, would you come? We're going to pray here in just a moment. We're not going to do anything weird. I just want to pray with you today. If that's you, would you come? May just be one person. But if God's speaking to your heart and you say, God, I need something more. God, you know what this is. And I know it may seem like just a little. But God, I know that when I put my little in your hands, when I give you this little, you can take it and you can do something more. Let's sing that together. My soul devotion. ask you to scoot in a little bit towards the middle if you could please we've got some more folks coming let's sing that chorus i want to be close to you thank you lord i want to be close to you i want to be close to you there's nothing in this world that compares to all you are I want to be close to you I want to be close to you there's nothing in this world that compares to all you Here's what I'm going to ask you to do if you, if you join me. Those of you especially that are down here at the altar, but I know this, that, that typically for every person who, who takes that walk, there's probably one or two more who says, man, I probably should have. So maybe all throughout the room, if you do this, would you, would you put your hands out kind of in a position of just, just openness before the Lord? Almost have to say, God, here it is from you. God, here it is. Here's my little, and I entrust it to you. And right now, in, in, your own, in your own spirit, before we begin to pray corporately, would you just name that thing? I don't know what it is, but you do. You know those finances. You know that relationship. You know that job. You know your future. Just, just with your hands open before Him and just say, God, I give this to you. Lord, in this moment, I entrust it to you. Lord, in this moment, it's yours. God, it may not seem like much. God, sometimes it seems like I'm so limited. But in this moment, I entrust it to you. Lord, I give you my little. And I believe for something more. Father, as a church and as individuals, Lord, our, our, our hands are open in presenting to you the things that we have. 
God, even though in our minds sometimes we wonder what our effectiveness can be. God, in our hearts sometimes we wonder if there's any hope or future. Lord, you are the one who speaks to us. Lord, you're the one who directs us. And so with our hands open, we offer these things to you today. Lord, I know that by your Holy Spirit, you you are divinely speaking to some individuals today. God, you're reinforcing some things. You're reaffirming some things. You're reminding us of some things. That you are the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And so we entrust these things to you. Lord, we recognize that it's because of who you are. Because of your death and your resurrection, the work that you did for us on the cross. That we can even have these thoughts. We can even have these these hopes. That we can even offer these things to you. And so in this moment, God, we give you our more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now with your hands hands still in that position, observe something with me, would you please? (laughs) When you have your hands open like this to say, God, this is yours. Do you also see now you're in a position where he can entrust something more to you and put something else back in your hands? See, now you're ready for more. Because <laughs> when you're holding on to it yourself, when you're too worried about it yourself, you find yourself in a place where you're too closed up. But when you say, God, it's yours, did you recognize? Now he can put it right back in your hands and say, I've got even more to give to you. Let's go through life with this open posture to say, God, here's what I have. Now you do something more with it. And I'll entrust it to you. And watch and see what he will do. Father, as we go from here today, we thank you that you are the God who can do more. Lord, I pray for everyone around this altar today, God, that as you're speaking to their hearts, as you're reminding them of who you are and what you want to do, God, would you encourage them and affirm them. Lord, as they walk out of this room, I know that the enemy might start up those old engines of doubt or questions or uncertainty. And so, Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name, instead, you would remind them that you are the God who can do more abundantly, above and beyond more than all we can ask or imagine and so now lord as we go from here we ask you to go with us send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace we ask this in jesus name amen amen maybe take a moment encourage one another maybe pray with somebody that's standing there next to you thanks for being here today have a great week we'll see you next sunday